Hi, I'm P, and this is my podcast. Oh, these are some tidbits that I wanted to add onto the podcast because I got these questions either before or after I recorded with Vanessa and they were directed in my little inboxy and not the questions for Vanessa. Okay, you didn't need to know all of the details of that. But anyway, what I want to start with is that someone sent something in saying that that I love to help people or they said that I said that I love to help people and I just want to reiterate that the reason I like to help people is because of my ego whenever someone says I've helped them my ego goes but it's not the motivation of why I do things my ego loves the response I get when I do help people it's very fun I love the sensation of it but I just give advice. I've been doing it since I was literally a child. I tried to counsel my parents' marriage at seven years old. Like, it's a thing that I do. It's habitual. And yes, I just want to reiterate that. Because what's really great is I feel like the people who listen to my podcast or follow me, you all respect my boundaries a lot. And I'm super grateful for that because I'll, I'll hear about people who have a lot of, like, trauma dumping in their dms and stuff and so i think because i'm so honest with everyone like hey hey i'm not a helper because i'm nice i do it because it's a thing that i do and my ego's like ooh, so fun but if it's not fun for me to help i'm not gonna help so i just want to let everybody know okay anyway that's to start out and to give some people permission if they feel weird about maybe being the same way it's fine you're not evil or bad it's you just whatever all right cool so the questions the first question i noticed a lot of people that did your timeline jumping experienced their triggers coming up why do you think that is so let me find a succinct way of saying this because reality wants to return it wants to like snap back it wants to it wants to return to order because of the nature of reality and reality is always being created and destroyed and so to be able to not fall into complete chaos it wants to snap back into order so when people timeline jump you are disordering reality for a little bit like you're literally kind of collapsing reality not putting it back the way that it was before and so reality is like wait hold on we were different before how do we snap you back to being the one you were before or where are you at like they're trying to locate you on this on this new timeline and so often that results in some sort of trigger and triggers are amazing because it's an opportunity for you to let reality know like okay we were like this but now we're like this and you're not going to snap back to that one because we're this now and there's no way that you can snap back to that one next question Hey P, love all the things you create so much. This may be a small part of what you do, but I was wondering how you got into Reiki and do you have any advice for a noob? I am not into Reiki. I don't do any Reiki. Oh, and I, I'm not saying I have anything against Reiki, but I don't do any Reiki, so I don't know. Maybe you're thinking about somebody else. And next question. 
do you do ancestral or shamanic work? I do not. Whenever I try to talk to my ancestors, like I mentioned in this podcast coming up, I talk about my ancestors, but it's like the people that I know who are alive, like my mom and my grandma. I'm specifically talking about them in this podcast, but like any ancestors beyond that, I have like, they're, I don't know how to connect. Not that I don't know how. I don't, it's not necessary for me to connect with them in the way that many people traditionally connect with their ancestors. When I did work around talking to my ancestors, the ancestors that came to me were piles of golden metal who didn't talk and they looked like towers, these golden towers who were just leaning towards me and communicating messages to me. And so I'm like, well, my ancestors do not want to talk. They they just want to be golden towers. And I'm sure they're they're giving me advice and guidance, but I don't need I don't it doesn't I don't really have to like specifically do ancestral work with that title. And I feel the same way about shamanic work. I, I feel, well, also, I have a lot of Scorpio placements, which some people say it's, like, inherently shamanic. But I don't know. I don't really call it, I don't, I don't call what I do shamanic work. I'm sure if I, like, researched about shamanism, I would see parallels and mirrors to things that I just naturally do. I'm also a second line in human design, and so there's a lot of just inherent stuff going on where I don't like to put like titles and words on what the hell I'm doing. So I don't specifically call some of the stuff that I do ancestral or shamanic work. I'm just doing what I do and it works. All right. So now to get into this long ass, my longest podcast ever. It's amazing. Do something, I don't know, fun while listening to it. Vanessa is amazing. Okay, cool. Bye. What the? Yeah. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Yeah, comes with P and Vanessa. Vanessa is a dream. I feel like when I came across your content on Instagram, the way that you spoke about things was so powerful. It hit me right in my chest, and I, like it was so direct. And I, there's a lot of human design teachers who speak in a way that is really distant. I feel, but yours feels like it's just right in front of my face. I'm like, oh, of course. Like that's like, yeah clearly like it's just so clear and I love that clarity that you speak with and the fact that you have this background in astrology and so I love that you have the ability to relate certain concepts whether knowingly or unknowingly I don't know if you know you're doing it all the time but certain concepts um, I feel like you have this background in in different modalities that comes up in human design and so I appreciate the perspective that you offer thank you welcome thanks for coming so happy that you're here and Vanessa is a 6'2 ego manifester for all the human design homies out there who are into that. And this podcast will actually be talking about human design. I know I like, I talk about it sometimes in my podcast and sometimes I'm like, please stop talking to me about human design. Which is Do you get tired? Do you get yes. tired from it? I get bored of talking about it. Yeah. And it's actually like why I, I dropped this like little mini course so that I didn't have to talk about it as much. I saw that. I realized, cause I, at first I was just like, well, no, if I drop a course, they're going to think I'm a human design teacher. And I'm like, well, no, I think that like, this will keep people from having to ask you questions about things that you don't want to talk about anymore. If that makes well, sense. Well, I would like to spend a moment there. <laughs> um, I don't, you know what? There's a part of me inside that doesn't relate to this teacher identity that people are, you know, put on me. And I totally appreciate that the six line, whenever you have the six line, they usually have these experiences that are somewhat challenging. Um, they go through these things and they develop this wisdom simply from living through that experience. And the, 
you know, the impression from the other, the people that you engage with is that they're like learning from you. But in my experience, everything in human design is telling sixes to be a teacher. And I'm here saying that doesn't actually feel good for me. Mm-hmm. I like being affected by the information and letting it change me and just being an example of how this information can change. But people seem to, you know, say, well, that's like, that's a teaching. And that's, I guess that's fine. But I find there's like this, this sort of power imbalance that I'm very sensitive to where people, you're the teacher, I'm the student. And it's like, hold on. Like I'm a, I'm a student. I love study. I want to study all these different things the weirdest shit that I don't even feel is always safe to talk about. And, you know, please don't put me in that place. But then at at some point you have to be like, I mean, you can see me however you want to see me. It's how I choose to, you know, identify, but to speak to something that you said about, like, I don't always want to be talking about this. I'm left brain, left minded. I love talking about this. I, when I'm watching something, I'm thinking about aspects of the design. I'm in it. I love it, but I don't always want to be, that's not all of me, you know? So I love that you were like, I've created something. Don't identify me as a teacher. The people are going to identify you however they want, you know? So, and, and I would, I would say you are definitely, um, a powerful voice in the human design community, you know? So I think, um, something that I've come to recently that has kind of helped me come to peace with that is that we all have styles of teachings. I think your work in timeline jumping is part of your teaching and, that's very easily manipulated in the patriarchal reality of being a teacher rather than having teachings. Does that make sense? So I said that it does. It does. Yeah. Hmm. I like that. Anyway, that's my little ranty on that, you know, thank you for that. But I wanted to talk a bit about, I feel like if anyone hasn't listened to each other, your podcast with Rachel and I think the Jasmine and Rachel, AC and Jasmine. Yeah. That podcast is amazing because I feel like your six line really shines in that left brain, left mind, because like you are a walking as example of human design in real life. And you're bringing up these examples while you're talking just casually, like, oh yeah, this person, mm-hmm. da, 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 like that's, that's this. And I'm like, I do not think about those relations. Like, and when you, when I can hear you say like, oh yeah, this aspect of this person is clearly this in their chart. And I'm like, oh yeah, whoa, I do not think that way. And so it's amazing, like watching you like teach just by talking, like it's, you're not trying to teach, yeah. which is so amazing. I love that podcast, by the way. Everyone Thank you. It. Thanks. It's so fun. Yeah, it's fun. Yes. What's, what's cool about that podcast is I feel like you get the, the concept of the podcast is that people are really wanting to hear human design in everyday conversation. You know, when you start to get into it, you just want to talk to your, your people about it. And then there's this phase of like, that's all I'm talking about. Rah. So there are people who are like, don't have anybody to talk to. And so I started this show as the manifester, I invited a projector, asked a generator and an MG to be a part of it, to have these examples um, of the just just listening to the dynamics of it. And we point out specific things, but you're you're hearing the projector's bitterness. You're hearing the manifester's anger. Like you don't have to always point it out because you're like, oh, there it is. There it is. And I think the show is a good example of that. So I I love making it, you know, I love making examples. <laughs> yes. And it's it's great. It's perfect. Thank I love you. that. Funny. I uh it's when you said we didn't, we don't have people to talk to about it. I, and I just made all my friends talk about it. I like, same, I same. Yeah. Um, I was like, give We're me talking about this now. information. Give me your yeah. birth information. I'm not going to give you any advice without knowing what your chart looks like. And there's yeah. like, okay, oh, I don't know what you're doing. Well, you know what? Like, oh. 
Yeah. I found that people were coming to me almost like with looking for advice. And this was kind of like part of going on the roof for me. And I was like, I'm not in a place to give you advice. I don't know anything about you. And so then in wanting to really like be there for the people I loved and cared about, I started to have to know features in their design so that I could actually be there for them in a way that just felt more embodied. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, because like and, it's, and not have to educate them, you know, but but just kind of present it there and see how it lands with them. Yes. And like show them visually like, hey, this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about this aspect of yourself, because I feel like that helps. Time, so my tone comes off very strong and it sounds like what I'm saying is true immediately. And it feels like I think that's what gets people get a little triggered by it sometimes, because when I say that something is true to me, they're like. So that's an ultimate truth. It doesn't feel true to me. Something wrong with me. And I'm like, wait, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is just my truth. I'm just talking. I'm not saying that it has to be true for you. But what helps me is knowing their chart. And that way I can speak from like I can speak my truth through their lens a little bit rather than saying yeah. like yeah. the way that I experience this is the authority. And so that's why I don't like to give tons of advice, like tons of very intense advice without knowing someone's chart. I really like to just say, like, here's what I see. Here's what I see. You know, and people can kind of take it or leave it. And something that was really expansive for me was (laughs) Neil deGrasse Tyson, Uh who I'm fairly, fairly sure he's a splenic manifester. He articulated that, you know, there are many truths. There's personal truth. There's political truth. There's objective truths. And so it's kind of helps me to to display it like that. When I'm when I'm feeling something where I've learned something based on my experiences and somebody else hasn't had those experiences, can't really relate. It's valuable to say this is a personal truth based on my experiences and no one can deny my experiences, you know? And so they're like, oh, okay. But then again, understanding the human design component to that, I have defined head, I have a defined heart, defined throat. So it's just going to come through with conviction and conditioning energy, you know? And when you say you come on strong, oh my gosh, do I relate? (laughs) Everything I say, someone's like, are you yelling at me? I'm like, I'm just, I'm just in the passion. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But anyway, let's get to some of these, let's get to some of these questions. Okay. Cool. So first one, was there ever a point, oh, this one just came in. I didn't see this one until now. So oh. you know, was there ever a point where aspects in your chart felt heavy or negative? You I, go first. I, was, yeah. I have one right off the bat. The only thing that bothered me in the beginning when I first heard about human design was the fact that I had the gate 30. I was like, so you mean I'll never get what I want? That's literally how I read that. Like when I looked at the translation of that, I'm like, so I can just, I'll just want things and never get them. I'm always going to feel like I'm yearning and desiring and I'll never get anything. That was, uh, that was a part that I thought was negative. But what I realized for me about like negative things in my chart is that I was looking at situations that I was in and trying to find in my chart, a reason for why the negative thing was happening to me. And so I'm like, the reason I'm not getting what I want is because I have the gate 30 when Mm -hmm. that's not the case. The gate 30 gives me, makes me someone who has the ability to experience and have a relationship with my desires in a very, um, it's like it, it doesn't, I don't, I don't always feel it by the way. It's just, it's like this, sometimes it's like this passion goes through my body where I'm like, I don't know how to describe it other than that. And then it dies down. But that was 
probably the only like real negative or heavy thing I ever thought about in my chart. And then I reframed that. And so now I'm just like, no, my chart's perfect. Thanks. So. My chart is the best. Yep. Um, I want to expand on a couple things that you said, because I really liked certain things that you said. Uh, one was the word, you use the word translations. And this has been, this is a good word. <laughs> this is a good word. Um, when, when we interpret some human design information, it is presented very neutrally, robotically, mechanically. It has completely removed the emotion and it's trying to present it as this like almost factual mechanic. But we are, you know, our newest awareness center is the solar plexus. We are here to experience emotion. And so I feel through storytelling and giving these certain examples, people can relate to, to actually understand the information because some of the translations just trigger our preconceived limiting narratives. Mm -hmm. So based on your experiences and whatever you studied and understood before, then you come to human design and you see this gate 30 and you've got all these limiting narratives based on how you understand something. And I actually see this happen in human design and astrology a lot where people understand something a certain way and so they see their chart and they they create these limiting narratives based on how they understand so for me noticing that you know I have that potential as well we all have that potential I'm often buying some type of exchange reading insights from others to understand myself from a different perspective because I think sometimes we don't even realize that we are living in a limiting narrative. Even when we're expanding and growing and thinking we're doing all these things, we've got these certain frameworks of how we do these things and how we think of these things. Um, an example that I had like among some friends with undefined G centers was one friend was like, really saw it as I have to find my purpose. G center is purpose, 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 purpose. And the other friend presented a new idea. Well, the G center, I also see as like identity, you know, and I was like, I also see it as direction and the way, you know, and just hearing that there's other ways to interpret it kind of opens new worlds for people and how they consider themselves, if that makes sense. So I think what how I would answer this question about, you know, perhaps these dark spots or heavy spots, um, you know, for me to get to get totally started, it was being a manifester. Mm. I'm always surprised to hear people like, oh, I want to be a manifester. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that was not my experience. <laughs> like, I was like, oh wow, really? Like I felt when I, when I discovered that it just fed into every single wound I ever had. And the language around manifestors is, we don't have great examples. You know, we're, we're accumulating more now with second generation human design, but we don't have, we didn't have tons of great examples. The most famous example for manifestors was Hitler. Well, what person wants to relate to that? You know, you can understand it from a perspective of like, this is extreme. Um, but basically, you know, the information when you're getting started says you're repelling, you know, but you've got to don't care about what the people think. Well, manifestors have been, have been trained to care what the people think because the people have been rejecting them their whole life. So um, as soon as that happened for me, I actually disconnected from it for a couple of years. And then I only revisited human design a couple of years later where I think I was actually ready to explore what it meant to be a manifester and then have fun with it. So that was, that was a huge block, a huge dark spot for me, like the most basic information about human design. Whoops. Hated it. Love it now. Yeah, I, uh, it's, it's interesting. Cause I talk when I, when I'm speaking with manifest, because I, I surround myself with manifestors unknowingly. I didn't Love know that. I was doing this, but, I, but I look at everything because I played so many video games and like, I just, I'm always, I used to work for Apple. Like I just have electronics and things on my mind all the time. And so when I think about Same. manifestors, I'm like, I'm like, 
they are the ones that carry the electricity in the walls. Like this is, this is why the house has lights. This is like why things turn on that. That's so much power. And then I'm like, the thing is, is that people don't understand wattage. That's what I think. I feel like people have interesting interactions with manifestors because like you are a five watt plug and you require 12 watts and you're plugging into this manifestor who is is not giving you that energy that you're asking for and you are feeling like something's wrong with them like you're feeling like the electricity that you're receiving is incorrect when really you probably were not following your gut generator and mm-hmm. were ignoring the fact that like you weren't designed to plug into this person this person was not for you to connect with and so i tell manifestors like hey there are people who are designed to plug into you like they are literally yes. designed to plug into you. They're going to feel lit up. They're going to feel so excited. They're going to feel like this is this I'm charged up and ready to go by interacting with you. And there's people who are, they will short circuit when they interact with you. And that's really, that's on them to figure out what their body is saying about interacting with your energy. So I'm all about manifesting. I love that. I love that example, P. Wattage. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Wrote it down. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I love just I love manifestors. I feel like you all help me go faster. So I love going fast. My manifesting generator energy. You're fast too. Yeah, you're fast too. This is what I this is what I respect about the MG. It's like ready to go, let's go. And then they last longer. But I'm like, whew. <laughs> but you know, yeah, the the I have a generator partner and sometimes I'm like, come on, yep. let's go. And he's like, boop, 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 boop. And I'm like, oh boy, okay, okay, okay. I'm gone. Bye. <laughs> Yeah. No, I want yeah. to experience and experience the pleasures of being alive. And I'm like, that's great. But also we could just move. Please think. It's <laughs> cool. But awesome. So next question. Okay. How do you work with open head centers? And I'm wondering if they're out. So they said how to work with open head centers and four six. Love you. And thank you. I'm wondering if they mean open head and their four six or open head space and their four sixness. I think let's, let's isolate them individually and speak to each because an open head is different from an undefined head. Let's just say that for example. And I have a child who's a totally open head and it's as if, if, if something isn't presented to him first, he can't develop it himself in his head. You know, it doesn't come it ha, you know, it's, this is kind of like a, a open space and I'm really seeing as the parent, how we program kids in that way. I really see how he starts to repeat certain things in my language, for example, but I can ask something simple. Let's say like make your bed. And he's only going to base that on how he's seen beds made. He's not necessarily going to make a new style of, you know, make a bed a new way. And I think about this for an adult and I know a lot of adults who have totally open heads and I start to, they do things and I'm like, what? And I'm realizing that, um, they, they pick that up somewhere and it's often way, way, you know, they're not even fully conscious of it. So of course the open head has this capacity to be extremely wise and taken all these experience in different ways. But I find that sometimes they take one in and they keep it and they don't necessarily take all the other possible examples. Undefined head is really similar. Um, undefined, of course, meaning there's at least an act, an activation, there's a gate active somewhere. And these people get the spins. Are you totally open head or do you have an undefined head? Totally open. totally open. How do you feel from what I just said about the totally open? I can't tell if I'm holding on to people's ways of doing things, but I probably am just because I can't I, tell though. Okay. Yeah. I can't really tell. And I, 
for me, because like as, as an artist, I don't just come up with ideas like and it, it might seem like I just come up with ideas, but it's not. I need I need. And I'm also a responding being like I need life. Totally. To me. And then totally. like, I'm like, oh, oh, I can I can feel the energy turning in my body to create something. But like, I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be creating. What are you? <laughs> the energy is sitting here burning. And then and something will like inspire me. I'll see an image or a color or something like that. And I'm like, yes. that color, that's the color I wanted. And then I'll feel like, oh, now I can make art. I used to try to force myself to make art because I'm like, you have to, you're an artist. You're supposed to make art. I mean, it would be trash. It was terrible. I hated it. And now I'm, I don't ever try to do anything. Like even when it comes up, come up with like ideas for like an offering or something like that. I don't ever try to figure it out. Cause I, I can't, I don't have the capacity. I need to yeah. I need to be inspired by something. There's it's literally my head is empty. Like it's like, I don't, I don't know what's going on until it's open. You know, it's not empty. It's like, it's open to feel the wind rush through it and be yeah. changed by the wind, you know? And I, I really like how you like gave this example of like, you need to, you're inspired by a color. I think the difference between like anybody can be an artist but I think the difference between having a defined head and let's say an open or undefined head is that you're learning the ways in which you're inspired and you can be inspired by a color, by the sky, by something you saw. And a defined head has sort of go-to things that they also seek inspiration from. We like, it doesn't matter if you're open or closed. If you, and let's say you want to be an artist, it's just the way that you would approach your expression would have consistency or change. I definitely have go-to things when I'm doing graphic design for me, I have to like, yeah, I get very inspired by a color as well. So interesting that you say that because sometimes I had this, I had this experience where I like, I went on a trip to Oaxaca and I had, there's all these colors and I love them and I grabbed them and I actually took the hexadecimal and like used them in like branding. And then I saw a local company and it had done this branding. I'm like, this is something about this feels familiar. And sure enough, I went and like picked the hexadecimals in their color palette it was literally my exact numbers. I was like, okay, so I know I've been copied. That's fine. No one can do it how I do it. But am I, what, what's my move now? Cause now I don't feel good. I like, I don't want to do it. I want, but personally, I've kind of just had to get over that. When I see somebody stealing something of mine or doing something of mine, it's for me, it's just a sign to move on and create something new. Um, sorry, I went on a little, a little tangent there, but I swear it's related. Um, I, like I want to kind of just, I want, sorry, go ahead. So I like tangents. Please keep going. <laughs> I want to segue over to the four, six, because people have been asking for profile information for me. I feel like since I've been doing this work and it's something I have not ever spoke to because there's, there's 12 profiles and depending on the aura you attach it to that profile looks a little bit different. And I really learned through examples. So I, I kind of study people you know? Mm -hmm. And my dad was a four, six, my dad passed away when I was a child. So I have like a keen interest in the four, six and looking at these examples, there's a manifester I follow, you know, there's, I have, have these four, six examples. And I find this to be actually so complex. I find the four, six to be so complex. It's doubly transpersonal and the six line is unconscious. So it's this unconscious living out this expectation almost of perfection that mm -hmm. through the fourth line, the world has kind of decided, you know, a lot of four sixes, you know, uh, here's an example I have. There's um, a four six that I know who she's a woman. She, I want to say is married to a woman, but still had to go, still had to go through that hetero, heteronormative example of partnership, you know, of like, we have to get married. We have to have the baby, but it's like, hold on. You're queer. You, you can create your own, you know, 
you don't have to, you know, fake that smile with those pictures and that, and that celebration. You don't have to do that. Of course, if you want to do that, like all the power to you, but you just see the four or six kind of get, they just move through these almost like societal or cultural or group community expectations. Yeah. Um, what do you think? How do you perceive the four or six? I see the four or six as uh, my, the, the image that I get, it's really weird. <laughs> Not that they're weird, but the image that I get is weird. It's very like smushy. Like I see, I see this like very thick, smushy, substance in that I feel like the four six is designed to kind of like stick things together and like move through a community and kind of pull things together in a way that it's very natural like just by being themselves I feel like they're weaving things together in a way that's kind of I call it like addictive like I feel like people want to stick to the four six and they're like you're the, you're what I want you're what I want to be I'd love to like I, I just want I want you to stick around I want I want you to keep being that example for me and I feel like the four six has to know that they don't have to try that hard to be the walking example. So like, let's say that couple yeah. does not be in a heteronormative relationship. What they're doing is literally being an example to the community because there's going to be people in their community who wanted to not do the whole heteronormative thing. And then once yeah. they do it, they're like this person that I love so much. Who's like, I feel so attached to them. They just did that. That means it's okay to not yeah. like live in this way like they are the example of what's okay and I feel like it's a little different than like the fifth line because the fifth line does new things and it's like spicy I feel like if a yeah. force does new things it's like oh I can I can do that and it's kind of like people warm up to the four six a lot easier I I, I feel like and so I I I ask that four sixes uh, like know that you're the example because of what you want. Like the things that you want to do is what someone is waiting for permission for. And by you doing it, it makes it so much more accessible to them. That's how. You know, I've really seen the four six though. My, my you know, again, my examples are just based on observation. Mm-hmm. I've really seen the four six struggle in that struggle mm-hmm. in the expectation. Like, I feel like I see some four sixes and they want to just be doing something else but they struggle with like the storyline they're supposed to be living. They're supposed to become a doctor and, you know, and get married or whatever, whatever the thing is. That's another example of four, six, I know. Um, but something I want to say that I, I find that's, I'm feeling like I'm coming off almost pessimistically about the four, six, which is so not true. It's just, I'm studying it right now acutely. And I'm, that's where my lens is. But something else I notice about the four, six is that everyone who engages with them almost feels like, like whoever their pod is, whoever their community is, uh-huh. everyone within that community feels like the best friend to that person. They feel like they're closer. Yeah. Like that. They're like, well, she's my best friend, but oh, she's, I'm closer with her than the rest of the group. I'm closer. You know, the four, six really has this way of like, everybody's buddy. I don't know. Like they're very, so anyways, the, the four, the four line consciously is very, very interesting to me. Um, it's the first line in the upper trigram, you know, it's just gone through the mutation of the third line and it suddenly realizes, Oh, there's others around, you know, it's not just about me. Um, and they, they are always kind of like com- community oriented really, depending on who their community is. So very cool, very cool profile. If you smush that 
with the open head or undefined head, um, you could see how an expectation might get stuck in there in the early phases of life. And then they have to kind of live out that storyline. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And I think just, just asking like, what? And I feel like I would question also, like, do you have an open route to it? Because I find that I would also look at the four sixes with open roots in particular, just because I feel like expectations live in the root. Because I feel like the root is like, what are we going to bring to the next generation of people? Like what's going to, what societal standard is going to become real? Like what, what, how are we, because I I see the roots as like Capricorn type energy and it's like, well, what standard are we going to set as like, a success standard or what means that you're winning. And I'm like, if you have an open route, you might take in this expectation of like, okay, well, I'm an example. And so to be an example, I have to make sure that I'm successful or winning by societal standards. And you might take on a standard that's not even really yours. And so I would like, yes, yes. But this is the thing. How does an open head person become aware that they've picked something up? None of us are aware what we picked up. We go through these deeply spiritual moments and we're like, oh, like, where did this, this is my mom. Oh, and this is my, you know, but, but how does the open head person do that? What, what have you done? Weird thing. I don't know if this, I don't know. I honestly, and I don't know if this applies to everyone with an open head. I usually, I tell people that I talk to, I'm like, do a lot of questioning around things, question the thoughts that come in, question your doubts, question like the questions that you're hearing in your head, question all of those. But for me, it feels like literal congestion in my head. It feels like, like I'm having it right now. And I'm like, there's things that I'm thinking that aren't mine and I need to get them. Like my teeth start to hurt. It's the weirdest. Yeah. I'm here to find head pressurizing your open head. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, I just realized like I'm like, my tooth thing came back. Sorry. But but I realized like when I have to like stop scrolling, that's a thing. My my head will start like feeling like it's full and I'm like, Oh God. And I try not to consciously like read everything that gets, that comes in there because reading it, I feel like even like pushes it even further into my head. And so it's kind of like, I'm scanning all these things and I'm like, okay, little bits and pieces of other people's stuff are in here. I need to take a shower. I need to like, like drink some ginger tea. Ginger tea is actually very helpful to like empty my head out. And, and that sounds weird. Ooh, but it's very helpful. Doesn't sound weird. Doesn't sound weird um, at all. Ginger is so <laughs> cleansing. Ginger tea is amazing for, yeah. for like, <sighs> opening up yeah. that part of my, my head, but check for congestion. If you have completely open head like me, that's a great way to check in headaches that feel like they're it feels like there's pressure in your head. That's a good thing to check out for. This is a really good example. I, I want to talk about this for a second because there are physical manifestations that mm-hmm. happen within the body. It's a personal area of study of mine. And I'd like to explain how I experience anxiety because it's kind of a little bit what you're de- what you're describing to me um, because it's like almost like too much thinking overthought turns into anxiety, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, not enough feeling or too much feeling can turn into, let's say depression, but there are these different sort of outputs. I, I'm somebody who has experienced anxiety. However, it's never in my head. I, I don't get, you know, cloudy like that. I experience my anxiety in my chest, um, my undefined G center. And it's like, it's this, it's, it's like, um, uh, an ache, 
um, a rattle almost. And I'm very sensitive to this area. You know, this is where my tumor was when I was a child. I had cancer as a child. The, my whole chest cavity, essentially the G center, an open center, excuse me, an undefined center, developed a tumor. And then once it it metastasized to my defined heart, as uh, when we found it, I beat cancer. You know, there's, there's a very beautiful story in there, I find, that you can learn through the energy centers. But I feel through our open centers, when they start to take open or undefined, excuse me, when they start to take in too much energy, there is a physical manifestation. And I personally feel that when that goes unacknowledged for so long, it can warp into these very physical um, developments in the body. For me, my example is literally developing a tumor. And it just fills that open cavity because there's too much hanging on to that's not really there for the body. Of course, that sounds very scary and it might be very triggering to hear, but there, that's not the only example. Sometimes we develop chronic anxiety. Sometimes we develop chronic congestion. Sometimes we develop chronic problems within, let's say, our uterus or we don't have regular menstrual cycles and all these types of things. So I think if people can actually begin to identify, look at their chart and see where their openness is and then start to track the types of symptoms and experiences they feel in their body, they have these ways of noticing. I've probably got to clear that area. Just like your, the visual you gave was so beautiful of like you're taking too much in and now you've got to have a shower. And so you're taking your ginger tea. You've found your sort of vehicle of medicine of clearing that very special area within you that is here to become deeply wise and take in all these experiences so that when you're in your in your third life phase, you're essentially like, here's what here's how I perceive that based on all the things that I've seen. And none of this is attached to me, you know, take it or leave it. And then you clear it out and you're open again, ready to receive more. You have this reserved space for more learning, more experiences. If you keep it in there and you hang on, it starts to it starts to distort. And I personally feel in extreme cases can be fatal. Yeah. 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 And I would say too, I, I, I developed cysts on my ovaries, but I have a defined, I have a defined sacral, but it felt very, it felt very like ancestral to me. So my mom is open sacral. I have a defined sacral. My mom had fibroids mm. on her, on her yeah. uterus. And we had a very, have a very similar, had a very similar like powerlessness issue that like, I felt like was passed down. And then like, there's like certain like sexual traumas as well that kind of got moved it felt like I, the visual is that i get like this line that came from my mom and it came right down the middle of my body and then like landed in my sacral that's what it feels like of course of course you were inside her that makes sense yeah you were you, 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 li you lived <laughs> within her yeah you lived within her and so you the, the the mother is such a it's so interesting because yeah you're literally grown within her and you do take in the mother's what's your chiron my Chiron is in the first house. In what year are you born? Oh, Virgo, so nine, okay, yeah. Virgo is some body stuff. That's interesting. Uh, I was relating from my own Chiron and cancer. Um, but just considering the mother for a second, like, you know, think of the mother's traumas. You're grown within that. That's your first, you know, earth. That's your first, you're grown within that. So yeah, if, if there's been some types of Let's say let's say there's been some types of sexual traumas and she's an undefined sacral. And so she's learning how that what the fuck to do with this. And she develops fibroids. To me, that is a physical manifestation of that something that has happened there um, that has maybe not been, let's say, like like excreted, you know, like hasn't yeah. been released. Well, it's clung to it, not intentionally, but it's clung. 
Yeah. And I had, I did this, some people, some people like really don't like this in like Western medicine. They're like, don't do yoni steams. It's bad. But I'm like, Western medicine is weird anyway. Sometimes I don't really trust it all the way. Anyway, I did a yoni steam. And like, cool, like hold on. I'm going to fucking steam my vagina. If I want to steam my goddamn vagina, get out of here. <laughs> Sorry. But like, whatever. Don't do that. You don't know what that's doing. And I'm like, I don't know what you're doing, uh, but anyway, I, I like sitting in a sauna. I like sitting in a sauna naked. I don't give a shit yeah. if I'm just going to sit over a sauna. Like, whatever. Yeah. Oh, like, the shit hurt. people get worked up about. Yeah. yeah. They're just like, anyway. Anyway, so. Did the anyway. And I I went through this, like, crazy pain a couple days after. And I started, <laughs> Anyway, so we're, we're just like, we're just like, do it. And then you're like, okay, so I had yeah. crazy pain. Oh, yeah, crazy pain. Crazy pain. <laughs> almost threw up. Then I just started shedding all of this, like these old clots, like, and it felt like, it felt like they were years old. And I, like, I felt like wow. it was coming from my mom, my grandma. Like it felt like it was coming from like these old, old. And yes. I was like, this has been here for years. Like before I was yes. alive years. So after that shedding, my period got a lot easier. I haven't checked to see if I have the cyst anymore, but like I don't like pass out when I have periods anymore. So that's great. And then I've also like yeah. created in six months, I created so much like safety for myself. And like, I feel a lot more empowered and in my body and a lot more safe in my body. My sex is the way I have sex is different. And I feel like I had a moment where when I found out that I had the cysts, I related it immediately to my sacral human design. And I'm like, I need to choose to be on the timeline where I'm powerful. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to like close that off anymore. I felt like I was going like this, and I'm like, we're not doing that anymore. Like I had to make, decide clench. like mm-hmm. not clench anymore. We're opening now. And like from that moment, it's been kind of a whirlwind. It took me a second to feel safe, but then I was like, no, my sacral has got me. <laughs> my sacral has got my back. We're going to just follow yeah. you. I'm learning the sacral. I'm undefined in my sacral. This is, this is like a holy place, you know? And I like we're talking about menstrual cycles. I've never had a regular menstrual cycle. Um, I'm somebody as a child did have an experience with like a sexual trauma. Um, Then I, of course, got sick around the time that I was getting that I should be having a period. I was a teenager. So I never had this regular period. It was never a regular experience for me. And then when I went through chemo and stuff, I had like the depot shot. They were always trying to stop my period. I didn't really have one, but just in case it came, it, it may be too much, especially with like your platelets so low. And if you're shedding, it just could be, it could be overwhelming to the system. So then I survived that I'm out of treatment and I don't really have a period and I'm never really having a period. Sometimes it comes and there, and you know, maybe four times a year. And they had said to me, based on these, t- the volatility of some of these treatments, your, you know, infertility is mm. really kind of what's going to, is what's here for you. So as a child, I was prepared for that. So having, having a child for me was, was almost traumatic because the storyline I was living, that wasn't going to be in my reality. And I didn't really get a period. So how the hell did I even get pregnant? And the work that I've been doing within the last year, of course, I started to get fibroids, cysts, all of that, which is, which is all part of my sort of long-term side effects based on some of the treatment I have. So I was kind of like expecting these things, but then I completely eliminated my stress. The last year, you know, having really since we went on in these lockdowns and we had to really operate differently, my stress completely changed and I don't really experience stress and I'm an undefined root. And Within the last year, my period for the first time in my life came back. I have a regular period that's about 
four weeks apart. And I, at one, on one hand, I'm like, holy shit, this is how often women bleed. This is fucking insane. Um, but then on the other, on the other hand, I'm like, wow, I'm starting to feel much more connected to my body. And then I'm, I'm understanding just how stressful my life was probably my whole life. And so then I feel sad for that person, you know, as a, as a child, when you're first getting your period, um, my dad had just died. So it was like, you know, it's always like holding things in Mm -hmm. and, I think that is an example and a manifestation really a manifestation. Cause that's a shitty kind of word. There's all these distortions around it, but it's an example of what the body can do when it contorts energy or hangs on to energy or it's stuck in fear or it's, you know, and I, I find a lot of um, non-sacral people develop types of things in this area of their body. It's not to say that sacral beings don't, but sacral beings do, but they have this way of like, they discover it sooner or, you know, or it's benign or, you know, they, they, ha- they, you had a, you had a really spiritual moment, like even like that unplugging and connecting to the ancestral line, probably what you were carrying. And, you know, you have that sort of stamina, power, consistency, energetic oomph in that area of your body. And yeah, for me, it to- sexually completely transformed sexually as well. Um, not bleeding from sex, for example, because you're not fucking a tumor. Do you know what I mean? Sorry. It's a little intense. Um, but yeah, the whole ex- the experience changes and I, I just find the sacral so elusive and like people have, there's a sacral being in front of me. I'm like, hi, I'm so <laughs> drawn to you. Like, you know what I mean? Anyway, yeah. I rambled on that one. Oh no. And I, I think it's amazing to examine the, the open centers and look at your body and talk to it talk to it centers as well. And even in even your defined centers, especially if you experience trauma in those defined centers, because I feel like the defined centers, I like to think, Oh, another analogy that you may have may or may not like, I look at the centers as apartments in, in an apartment building. And so the defined centers are, you have a permanent lease on that from the day that you were born to the transition off of the planet, you have a permanent lease from the open centers. These are Airbnbs where you receive like guests live in there and they have an impact on like the guests are living in there because like no one lives there and some like there's people could throw a party in there a lot of wild stuff I'm obviously loving this okay <laughs> i'm like sitting here smiling like ah, i love it but i think the thing about defined centers is that when you have this like permanent guests like or permanent tenant living inside of these defined centers and you have a trauma with this person who's living in there, like, like, let's say a pandemic, suddenly their, their income is affected and suddenly your income is affected because that person's income is affected. And so we're not used to those jarring situations where like our permanent tenants get a little fucked up. We're like, whoa, whoa, hold on. We we've been collecting rent from you for 18 years and suddenly Mm -hmm. you're paying less than what you used to pay because of something that happened traumatically. And so addressing the places where you have experienced trauma and I'm someone who is, I, I, the way that I like work with trauma is by making it lighter and lighter. I, I try not to, attach too much to my trauma. That's just how I deal with it. I don't know if that, like, that's not for everyone. Right. Define solar plexus. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah. I have to like yeah. lighten it up, lighten it up. Yeah. To, like, and so address it the way that you feel best is best for you. But human design is a great way to look at your centers and like what happened in each of your centers or what, what's going on with the guests in your centers. Is there a guest in the Airbnb? Does the Airbnb need to get cleaned up or something like that? You need to redecorate in the Airbnb. It's a, like have different types of guests come in what do they leave behind things like that help me to talk about the centers 
I, I, I think this is beautiful. And I th- the immediate thing that I think of is all homes need tending. All homes need to be cleaned up. It doesn't matter if there's a permanent yeah. tenant or if it's an Airbnb. Um, like to be very clear, traumas can happen to defined centers and mm-hmm. we just become consistent in acting from that yeah. trauma. Whereas it's, it's a little bit more loose when it's an undefined center. So it's not to say that, you know, you're... You, you, the defined and undefined centers are just so different and neither is better than the other. They just have different um, ways of experiencing energy. Some have a consistent approach. Others have an inconsistent approach and they take on many, many tenants, let's say. But like the the permanent tenants, let's say, in those defined energy centers, they are fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> that's like it's like I, you just show me this 18 years like a lot of it's like i know i know you do that i'm just gonna look over here you know you pay your rent okay but i'm just gonna look over here you know what i mean like they and so we have to get to know our permanent tenants and still provide a beautiful experience for those coming into the airbnb yes. Yes. but all shit needs to be cleaned it all needs to be cleaned yes maintained Cool. So the next question, I see you both as powerful people, but in very different ways. How do you see your own power? (laughs) We're both second lines. Let's just first say that. (laughs) That's a good, that's good to point that out. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your power. I know I like power. I don't always know if I have it, but I know I like technically I should because I'm like, I have a Scorpio. I'm a Scorpio. I'm a Scorpio sun. I have a Scorpio Mercury, I'm a Scorpio Venus, Scorpio Pluto. And that's like, you know, that's power. Right. And then I have the gate 34, gate 34, which is the gate of power. And so there are times where I am made aware of my power. Usually when I'm going through like with the cyst thing, that was a time where I was made very aware of like, I need to turn this thing on. Like we need like, we're just going to be powerful right now. And I don't think about it that often. People tell me I'm powerful. And I like, sometimes I'll like tell it to myself, but it's not a thing that I think about or am aware of. And I think that's why sometimes my tone comes off intense and I have no idea that that's happening until someone's just like, whoa. And so I think I just, I think I just live in it. It's also my North node is the gate 34, the gate of power. And so I'm like, I I think it's just something that is, arising in me with time. Yeah. You, I want you to know you have a very beautiful power and it's in your expressions. You know, you pass your frequency on through the creations that you make and you transfer that power for others. And I think what is really beautiful about that power is that you're showing the possibility for new realities and you're an example of somebody who plays with that. And I think that people right now need play. I think that is where everything is going. So yeah, you got some power. Everyone's powerful, but yeah, you, yours is very delightful to watch and experience. Um, when I'm reflecting this question on myself, yes, I identify with being a powerful being and I'd like to actually share a vulnerable story because for me, I'm, I have to also acknowledge I have this part of me that is absolutely terrified of my power. Mm-hmm. And it was through the realization of watching my dad die and looking at him and wondering like, what is he thinking? He's laying there. He, you know, it's what's going on. I, and I would, I would obsessively study it. And 
I'm convinced I manifested my own cancer to understand what he went through. And I remember being a kid and dreaming about walking the high school hallways bald. And that happened to me. And when I came to human design and really realized I had done that, I had wanted to understand. I loved him so much. I wanted to understand what did he go through? What did he, what was he suffering? What was that? I want to understand because this created this huge pain in my life. I want to understand. And my dad had skin cancer and I had lymphoma. Our cancers are completely unrelated. Mine was cancer of the immune system, which is like funny to hear when I say it and where the tumor developed, you know, and it was just such a shock to everybody because it made no sense. And so as soon as I realized I could do that, I became really afraid of myself mm. because then I would also have thoughts that were like, oh my God, my partner's going to die or my kid's going to die or whatever those, th whatever those thoughts are. I can't think about that too much because I'll manifest that into reality. And so I started to become very afraid of my own thoughts. That's not a good place to be. And so the way that I kind of cope, to be honest, through that is what do I want to call in? What do I want to build that's from a place of integrity? And that's from a, if I know, and I've witnessed whether anybody hears that story and believes that means nothing to me because I've experienced it. And it's now personal truth where I've seen myself do that. And I've, and speaking of Scorpio energy, my moon, my Mars, and my node is in the eighth house, which is Scorpio's house. And mm -hmm what a house, like the, the creation, the birth, death, rebirth, the create and destroy that cycle is something I know very intimately mm -hmm. and death, something I'm very intimate with. And I remember sitting kind of like in the hospital, I was treated on children's ward. And I remember looking around and there's a lot of children dying. And in my year, um, most of them passed away. And, and, and so I'm sitting in that, I remember sitting in that and I had just lost this little boy who was very important he was four and he was very, he was very important. And cause we had chemo together. And when he died, it was the specific moment of intense anger that mm -hmm. I think is when I decided I was not going to die from cancer, you know? And I, and I then feel I decided to, um, beat it, which is, which is going to, is asking people to kind of really extend their concepts of how they understand things. Um, but for me, that was examples of my own power. And it was coming in these awful surroundings and these horrible places. So I'm now in this place where I understand I can do that. I've learned that we're now going to try something else. We're going to now use that power in other ways. And so for me, yeah. it's very empowering. It's a very empowering way to, to look at those kind of stories. So, um, but I, but I do want to kind of summarize that every single being is a very powerful being. It's just, there's many examples and ways for power to emit from the human form. Yeah. And like, I experienced your power as lightning. Like even in your story, I felt like I was boom, boom, boom. And I was like, oh shit. I'm like, like it, I feel very ignited at the moment by your speaking. And honestly, like whenever I hear you talk, that's how I feel. I feel like electricity is like moving through my body. It feels amazing. And I, I that's so like thinking about like death and manifesting the own possibility of your death I feel like I've done that a couple of times because I used to be quite yeah. suicidal and I've like had a, f a couple near death experiences. And then when I got like my cysts tested, they were just like, these might be, and I don't, I don't like talking about it. It's like publicly too much because people have public opinions and I don't really want to hear them. But 
they are saying certain things. I'll talk about it later about the cysts. And I was like, oh, hmm. mortality. We're talking about that again. And it's almost like I had to like teleport myself back to my past self and be like, hey, do you really do you want to die? Like, let's let's talk about this. And so now I've turned on that like desire for living really like it's high. Yes. I, I want to be so alive. I don't want to go anywhere right now. And so you talking about that, like just, like, just I'm lit up again. Um, so thank you for that. For Thank you for passing your power to me again, speaking about that. But no, your power is very sharp and it's, it, it stings in a way like ginger stings. And I love that type of sting. I, I very much love ginger. I'm a, love I'm a ginger. ginger I really love it, but it's, it's very, it's, this zingy power, like igniting yellow type of color. And that's hopefully that is teleporting. I'm inner vision. So I'm like, I hope that's passing to you. Love inner vision. Love inner vision. <laughs> I, um, I see the manifestor urge as I'm watching a lightning storm. And when I time it right, sometimes I can reach up and grab a lightning bolt. Mm. And when I have that is, is when I get into like, yeah, is when I get into an urge. So I love that you gave that as the, <laughs> the example. Thank you for that. Um, but yeah, interesting to hear you, um, recognize the, your own suffering and how it will be perceived in the projection field. Yeah. Um, and this need to protect because it makes me feel like that was a hard way for me. And as soon as I, and this is coming for a sixth line, right? As soon as I started to tell those stories and own the vulnerability, I call it eight miling it, like the eight mile concept, the movie. I'm not sure if you saw that. You're a 93 baby. That's fine. I heard about it. I heard about it. I just, I'm not a big movie person. Me neither. I'm not a big movie person, but this is one that I, that I did experience. And in the final rap battle in Eminem's eight mile movie is he just, he, yeah, he's saying all, he's saying all this shit. Yeah. My mom lives in a trailer. Yeah. I'm this piece of shit. Like he's just, and the person kind of battling him back can't say anything after. Cause they all just want to attack each other. But he's like, I'll attack me. I'll be the one to tell my stories. I'll be the one, you know, and it was very powerful for me. And I remember I was going through a breakup at the time. <laughs> But um, with, a, with a Pisces. Hmm. So for me, that was very expansive because I started to tell my own stories and I'll decide the narrative of my stories and I'll tell you the gruesome details because you will not tell my story, you know, and, and it became a way to unburden myself. However, I do want to say I am also able to become caught within my own stories and looping them. These are my narratives. These are my stories. But I also feel like we are our stories. And that is how we kind of show that information to the collective. You know, we, we tell our own stories and we can see in a lot of places in our reality where that needs to be happening. But I think we get caught up on who's listening, who's listening. It's not a reason to not share the story. Now, not to say this is that you should be kind of speaking you always should just share what you're comfortable sharing, but that I have found it to be very empowering when I release those stories for me, because it's like they get caught up and we do have to have these sort of, these sort of energetic protection, which I feel you have where you don't let people's, the murkiness of their opinions about your stories penetrate you or prevent you from telling your stories because there are some people who it will dramatically alter and help. And for me, that's a reason to tell it, you mm -hmm. know, but I do feel like I'm saying to you, like, tell your stories, but, but no, you don't have to do that. But it's, it's, 
it's really just, it's okay to when you're ready. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I tell stories, my, my personal stories very slowly. It like, but I'm also a lot of Scorpio placements and I'm like, "Mm, well, lots of Scorpio placements, undefined head centers and open solar plexus. There's the potential right away that it's going to overwhelm the system to tell those stories, to go into those places. So the, the body is going to go, no, thanks. Staying away, you know, undefined solar plexus. I'm not going to deal with that. I'm not going to let myself be overwhelmed, but that energy still exists inside you. Yeah. 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 The stories are there. I'm like, they're just not for everyone. No, but you know what, Pete, I really think in your way, you tell your stories in your art. Mm. I feel like what you capture, you, it's your, there's a lot of ways to tell stories. And I think any way we express all the energy centers reach the throat center, any way that we express is a way for us, I think, to personally process. And believe me, I think you personally process in, in all your creations. Yeah. And there's something that I realized too. A lot of my stories are very I see things as either dense or not dense. And a lot of the stories that I have, I carry things very lightly. That's like what, that's how I have to deal with things. And I feel like once I put something out and it's light, people will want to make it heavy. And I'm like, but I'm not seeing it as heavy. I don't want you to see it as heavy because if I wouldn't be able to move through it, if it was heavy, if it was dense. So I have to lighten it up. And so once I feel like it's so light that like it's floating above me, then I'll be like, okay, I could talk about it. Cause like, even if you tried to weigh it down, it barely exists. It's like mist now there's, it's dissolved at this point. And so once there's still like, once I'm like, as I'm slightening it, I can't let it out at the moment until it's like so misty that no one can catch it at all and try to like make it something heavy or like feel bad for me or something like that. You know, what Um, would be so bad about somebody catching that mist? putting a title on the story, putting a, defining it, making it a word. Like this means this. I think that I don't like when people define things and put like a hard yeah. thing on it. Cause I'm like, well, that's not how I'm seeing it. And I, I don't like when things have like hard definitions all the time. I like abstract, blurred, misty, dotty lines that are yeah. lines. Yeah. So I'm like, let's keep it, let's keep it misty for a while. <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever feel like you've been based on the, the perception of the other in the field around you that they put you in a box and is it, it's the, is it this sort of like entrapment? Not me, but sometimes maybe like stories that I've, or things that I've gone through. I think people have a tendency to want to relate to the things that I talk about, but I'm like, you're relating with my story more than I'm relating with my story. And I don't like that. Cause they're like, no, I went through this thing like this and I'm like this. And it's like, okay, but I'm not even like that anymore. Like I, I just like had some times where I was feeling like that. I'm like, don't I over identify with something that I'm not like, I guess like maybe the over people relating too much to the projection that makes me. Yeah. You're so fascinating to me. I love listening to you because you don't want to be related to. No. This is like a five, two thing and a two, five thing. Mm. I, you know, let me flip it as a two, five. Miley Cyrus is a two, five. And I watched her say something where she was like, look, I was born into privilege and wealth. And she's like, and my dad got all this wealth. And he was like, yeah, you know, like, here's how you handle it. She's like, but he can't relate to me. He didn't have that at the start of his life. This has been my life. She's like, so no, I can't relate 
to the person watching me. I, so why am I even trying to? Like, I've never had that experience. I don't know what I don't know. I can only relate to people who are kind of like in this weird small field with me. And so she's kind of shares like her types of struggles with that. And I think that's so interesting because the, the relatability component with the second line and the fifth line, and then you having them both is for you, it's not feeling good if somebody relates to your story more than you do. Mm-hmm. So is there a part of you, I wonder that doesn't relate to your stories, even though they happened to you? Absolutely. I have like terrible, what is it called? Episodic memory. I'll go through something. I'll go through something. And I'm like, I have no recollection of that. Like that. Who's that? I went through that. I don't remember that. That was crazy. And so like, I'll talk about certain events yeah. in my life and like, I'll just be like, oh, blah, 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 that happened. And people are like, what? You went through that? And I'm like, yeah, but it's done now. Like that was like, I don't know, five years ago. And they're like, that was intense. And I'm like, Okay. We've, I've done the thing where I'm not that person anymore. Let's move on. Oh um, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But, so- but realistically undefined head, open head, your biggest exchange source with the other is inspiration and inspiring them. And what you may not fully realize is that when you tell your stories, you make your creations, you do your expressions mm-hmm. is that you're creating these vehicles for people to actually understand themselves you know, by you sharing your stories, yes, you sharing your stories, whether you relate, like I, I relate to that. Sometimes I look at my first life phase. I'm like, you went through that. That doesn't even feel like you that, you know, I so I can look at it with compassion and love because it doesn't actually feel like it happened to me. I feel like the person observing that, especially having been in my second life phase going on the roof, I look back at that life and it's like, that wasn't me. So don't keep me there. Don't keep me in that. That's not who I am anymore. And you may, you may relate through your manifesting energy, but I, I find that creating those expressions to get those experiences out of you, especially with you with the undefined head, you really have the potential to inspire people, like majorly inspire them. And that's pretty cool, Pete. Like that is like you're, and what you're really showing is there's all kinds of ways this can happen. There's all kinds of ways this can look, whether that is literally through art, designing a skateboard, for crying out loud, or if it's like, here's a timeline jump, here's a this, here's how I feel about this, here's my podcast. I think it's good for you to do these things. And I think you are telling your story through that. And I have this feeling that more of your stories are going to come out. Ah, just a little tiny feeling. Let's <laughs> see how my Scorpio Because why is. not? Because why not? Because why not? I'm here having my experiences. What I'm going through is completely not about you and the other, except for you and I, it kind of is. We learn through the other because we're transpersonal. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> it's funny, my manifestor friend is near me. Yeah, she, it's so funny. She she's like she spent Hi, Manny time, friend. Like, my friend. Yeah, she like would sit by me in class. She's like, I'm gonna get in there. I'm gonna get in. And I'm like, no, we're not getting in there. You're not. That's she not will. happening. <laughs> she <laughs> she <will. laughs> She's like, I told you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And I was like, why are we? Why are you talking to me? I just want. I don't want anyone to see me. I don't want to be perceived. But it's cool. Because you're because you're a delight and we want to perceive you and we want you to want to perceive yourself. Hmm. I don't know if that's but let's talk about <laughs> her hands are up. She's like, oh god, oh god, oh god, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pete, why do you think you're drawing yourself? Hmm? Or, oh, remember, remember this when you were putting these um it was um you're not doing it anymore, but like a selfie and you were creating yeah. Yeah. The that was a fun time. That was a fun time. That was fun. Yeah. And you're creating yourself in this sort of like, or, or when you encountered yourself as a tall, thin blue being. Yeah. I've that seen was- that entity as well. 
Yeah. And I also learned this morning as well that they had scales, like the the blue scales. And I was like, oh, I needed scales. I didn't know. I need to like envision myself with like scales on as protection. I think that's something that I want more of. Yes. This is, this is the, your way of understanding the self. Like, ah, oh, it's cool. Pete. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Keep being exactly who you are. But okay. So I was thinking about aliens and like Palladians and like the Arcturians. Yes. So yes. I don't have the ability to like relate with those aliens. And I was speaking to someone about it. And I was just like, I don't understand that. I don't understand what people are talking about. I don't see it. I don't, but she was, she's like, but the way that you talk, sounds like you're seeing them and I'm like but I'm not that's not what I'm seeing I don't that's not what's happening here and I think that my thing is that I don't want the people to name the Arcturians or the Palladians anything I feel like that's I feel like people name things things I think that's like why I don't want to over identify why I don't want to tell stories too much is because people are going to like that's this this is that or like what I'm going to describe it yeah 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 Mm -hmm. yes and so it's the same concept for me where I'm like, we just want to put words on things and say that they're this all the time. And I'm like, what if it's not that? What if it's something else? And so that yeah. is your story, you know? Yeah. And so like the aliens, I'm like, what if they're not aliens? Like, what if it's something else altogether? Have like, so I love this. <laughs> I love this. I have friends who really identify and connect and relate to these alien entities I never, ever do. Somebody says Pleiadians to me. I'm like, K. Somebody says Lemurians, K. Like, you you know, like I never, ever relate. I understand in concept, but oh, who are you connected to? Where do you come from? I'm like, I do not connect to that. I do not see that. I understand that that may be out there and that can exist. Like, I very much love the alien conversation. Yeah. Um, But am I connected to them? That's not my experience. So I can't. You know, I have my own type of spiritual experiences, of course, where I imagine myself. And this is funny because you often talk about a blue light um, in your work and how that kind of just something, a, a pattern I've noticed you talk about. And I'm like, that I've seen. But <laughs> you're right. As soon as I'm that blue light or whatever is called this. It's like, ah, says who? Don't name it in my inner world yet. There is no way for you to essentially kind of prove that you're asking me to trust you, but why should I trust you? You know what I mean? So um, I love when my friends kind of go into these kind of cosmic dialogues about these types of things. And I'm very interested, very entertained, very much enjoy it. But do I relate to it? No. Do I find it necessary? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's beautiful. The alien conversation. I'm so happy that's happening and happening more publicly. Oh yeah. I'm like, Oh, there are things that I'm seeing that I think that a lot more people are seeing. And because people are saying it's like Arcturian and Palladian and, and Lumerian and all these things. I'm like, they think that they're not seeing certain things because people have put these words on them. But I'm like, I think you're seeing a lot more than you might think you're seeing. I'm so with you. I'm so with you on that. I'm, I'm sure we'll explain. We'll find new names for things. Eventually we won't even use those words anymore. And then it'll be called something else. Or they will communicate to us the name. Mm. You know, we won't say it's the, you know, whatever. I mean, who's the first person that kind of channeled and brought that name forward? You know, like I want to know those things and I want to understand those people. But yeah, I'm, I'm, it's so funny. I'm so with you on this. Nobody has really articulated this in this way to me before. And it's something that I watch and observe and I'm interested in, but don't connect to. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you're right. It's as soon as it's like named, well, this is this and this is the lineage and this is how it works. It's like, uh, <laughs> you don't know that. 
There's no way you could know that you're, you're trusting that. And that's cool. And that's beautiful, but you don't have to put that on me. I will go decide how Mm -hmm. I engage with that energy and what it means to me, because you're creating these rules about how my experience is supposed to be based on how you understand this entity. And you don't have to do that to me. I'll do that for myself. Period. Said said the manifester. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Period. Cool. Okay. So let's ask, I want to take up all your time. So I'm enjoying myself. Yeah, I'm enjoying myself. So don't, yeah, you, you decide. Okay, great. He's like, I'm also enjoying this. Oh, good. Hi, Manny. Yeah. Okay. We're having fun. We're fine here. Okay. Another cool question. I want to talk about this one. And then I'm going to talk about another really cool question. I'm going to talk about this one first. So what would you tell your past self about money? And I, okay. So defined ego center, defined head or defined mind for me yes anytime you have a defined head you will have Perfect. a defined ajna so yeah i have okay. them both yes okay yeah. so defined defined head defined anya ajna I don't know. anya anya I don't know. defined ego yeah. defined throat so yes what would you tell your past self about money collect this wisdom from these defined centers because they're rare everybody <laughs> oh no oh no ah I don't like it as soon as I have to consider the other. Ah, I can only share from my experience. Um, Something I want to say as an ego manifester, I love to make money. I love to make money. But what I love more is circulating money and paying people. Mm. So as soon as I discovered that, my will to make money, you know, Interesting. I've entered a time where I've created stability and safety for myself. I essentially haven't worked in six months. Okay. Period. And I still have made six figures this year. Period. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't mean that to be egotistical, but that the way I perceived money was completely distorted. There were people who said to me, what, you're not like, you need the paycheck every two weeks. Mm. Bitch, I get paid every day. Get out of here telling me that I have to make it every two weeks. Don't all these rules, every single rule we think we know about money is completely fabricated and decided by somebody Mm -hmm. else. Now, Mm -hmm. this is coming. This is coming from the ego being. okay? so then it's going to trigger all these uncomfortable questions in the non-ego being. Um, and how they understand and perceive money. So it's never been particularly hard for me to make money because if I all of a sudden see that I need it, I find a way to make it. That's, you know, I'll, I remember being like, I'll write a journalism article. I'll design a business card. I'll find a way to go out and do it. I'll do that. I'll do, you know, I would find a way. And I always found a way, but there, you know, two years ago, I didn't have a home. I was living in a motor home. We ran out of money. I was sleeping on the street in the motor home with, you know, that layer of privilege. And two years after you're in a place where you're not working at all and you're still producing money. So what I would tell myself is the way you perceive and understand money has been extremely distorted and skewed. Suspend what you seem to understand about money and go and play with ways that feel good. Money is so interesting and annoying to me because for whatever reason in our reality, it's such a power and it's so not even the thing. It's so not even the point. And 
Yet it is part of the point because that's where we're stuck. That's where we're wanting to. Everybody wants to be rich. Why? Like I all of a sudden reached a certain level of income, which isn't even, you know, really extreme to, to think about it. And buying clothes didn't bring me happiness. It didn't matter. Um, doing, I could go do, I could go buy whatever I want. I could go do whatever I wanted. And it wasn't, it, it didn't matter. If I'm not dealing with whatever the hell is going on inside there, you know, it does, I don't know, it doesn't matter. So, so it's, it's weird. It's, it's like, it matters so much and yet it doesn't matter at all. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've lived on both sides and both extremes, even as a kid, you know, I remember, you know, I was a kid who grew up with a pool. Well, so right away you can understand a piece of what my reality was like. And then after my dad died, my the bank sued my mom for the mortgage because they said he knew he had cancer when you took this out and you guys are fraud. And so she's in this two year battle. Suddenly she, we have no money. Suddenly she's the single mom who's a hairdresser trying to figure it out. She's going to lose her house. She takes three jobs, you know, and I remember seeing her pass out over bills and it was just, I was like, what is going on? So the way I understood money was always kind of like yo-yoing from these two extremes and continued to do so. Now I don't feel that. Like now I feel like I have some experience here. I also worked in finance for a long time and I sort of understand the intimacy of that system. And now I'm this being who I'm basically like, why do I need to save up and buy a house and have a mortgage? Why can't I rent these experiences in these amazing places that I enjoy and I'm learning these things and I accumulate my wealth so that when I'm ready, I just buy my house. You know, now I just buy my car. I just buy my boat, whatever. You know, I don't have to go through the system the way that they want me to go through it. Yes. And I want to make those decisions now and live that way as an example and probably be transparent through it because I think people are ready to see us make money in new ways. And, and people are fucking terrified to talk about money. Nobody wants to say how much money they make. Nobody wants to be taken advantage of because they've got money. Nobody wants to be embarrassed because they don't have enough money. You know, there are so, there's so many complicated wounds around money. And I think we just need people showing there are other ways to do it. There are other ways to make money. And that Yes. It's already happening. Look, look at the influencer community. Look at the digital community. We create this new realm. We exist in this new space and we happen to make money through it. That is very hard for the mind to actually grasp that that happens. You know, people are like, I don't really get how you make money. I'm like, yeah, me neither. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I just do these things and I, here's how it is. And I always try and keep things very accessible because I, I know I have the potential to just condition and overcharge just because of that ego identity. And I see that a lot and it rubs me the wrong way. Um, so I guess, you know, I like, I, I, it becomes more about circulating it and less about accumulating it is what I've learned. And I would say that to myself and my younger self would be like, okay, but <laughs> you know, it's like, just trust. Yes. How do you, I, I, I rambled there. It's a passionate area for me. What do you feel about this? What do you feel about this? What I feel about this is I'm glad that the question was asked, what would you tell, what, what, what would you tell your past self? I love when people word questions, like what would you tell your past yeah, yeah. self? Because then that gives you permission to actually say like what I would do with myself. Yeah. So what I would tell my past self is, Hey, you're right. The fact that like money really is energy is a very much a real concept. Like I know real. people saying real. that it's not and that money's hard and that it's like this difficult thing that you have to try to figure out. That's not, not true. The feeling that you have that's, that it's actually energetic, very true. You need to believe it. It's totally fine. You're going to be fine. It's safe because I was, I was speaking earlier with my friend about the fact that like, for me, 
the feeling of the reason why I wanted money was to feel safe. Safety was a big thing for me. What's what's yeah. your view and motivation? Do you know offhand? Innocence. My view is why am I forgetting what my view is? It's a, it's not a lot of people focus on it. So it's not the is it power? Sur- it could be survival. It's not survival. It's like could be possibilities. Could be power. Could be wanting. Power, power is a three. Power. Is it power? I can't remember, but my motivation is innocence. And so like the feeling of feeling safe was why I wanted the money thing. Cause I had a lot of, you know, like I was like basically homeless and my mom didn't have a lot of money. My mom's an immigrant. And then like my dad was super stressed about money all the time, lots of stuff. And so I just had this, like, I, at first I thought money was hard to get. And then I heard someone say that money is like an energy thing. And a part of me was just like, yep. But the, the other, the rest of me was like, yeah, no, yeah. There's no way. There's no way. There's no way. And I look at everything we've seen. Look at everything the world has shown us up to yeah. this point. It's hard. That's true. Look at yeah. And that's exactly. our parents. I'm like, yeah, it's hard. I'm like, people are dying over this stuff. Like, of yeah. course, it's hard. Way that, it, but then a part of myself was just like, nope. That is the opposite of the truth. It's actually very easy. Just like romantic relationships aren't that hard. But not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> They're not that hard. I thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But like just a lot of Some people are gonna hate that, Pete. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Some people are gonna be like, oh, I'm struggling. Then that that's a then it, you're struggling. So it doesn't have to be that. Anyways, move on. Let's move Energetic. on. You keep going. Sorry. Yeah. Like it's all energy. I'm like, do not let people tell you that it's not energy. I know that people are trying to talk to especially like because I'm because I'm black and because I am like I have all of, I have all I check off I check off all the boxes that are can be checked off and so oftentimes people like me are preached to that like this manifestation thing is a privileged white place like these beautiful white women are telling you that you can get these things and that's not available to you they're lying to you because they're 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 white and they're beautiful and I'm like oh okay so I can't get the thing is that what you're saying like I'm and so I can't. I mean, I'm like, other white women are telling me that white women are telling me that, I, that they're and I'm like, what? And so I had to stop listening to anyone who's telling me that I can't get what I want because it's just energy. And so I would say to my past self, find a way to feel safe. And the way that I actually did this, I had a day, I can't, I can't remember the specifics of it, but I think I had like $5 and 30 something cents in my account. That was it. Mm-hmm. And I was having a great time with my partner. I was just like, you know, I'm going to feel good because I don't have any money. So like, (laughs) I mean, I'm alive. I have a roof over my head. I'm going to have a great time. I'm just going to party with my partner and just be in love and have fun. So I basked in that sensation and then something popped up and it made me, cause at the time I'd been like giving readings to my friends and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm just going to post about it on Instagram. And I woke up with hella DMs and I was like, Oh, that's weird. Like what's happening. And then since then, money has been snowballing in different ways, not just through human design, through like even cryptocurrency, through the yes. offers that I, that I like the things that I sell, my art started selling more. I would have, I would had more opportunities. I don't even have to take commissions anymore because I was getting commission. Like it was all from that literal day where I was just like, you know what? I don't fucking care. I'm going to feel good. I'm going to feel safe because that's the thing that I feel like money is going to give me is a feeling of safety. I'm going to just decide that energy is enough. And it's going to be enough. And 
I still have like ups and downs because sometimes I still don't believe it. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this is, this is the craziest shit. People keep telling me that you have to try hard for this. And it's just energy. Like that's, it's literally just energetics. And I go into disbelief and then I make less money. And then I'm like, it's just energetics. And then I start believing it again. And I start making more money. <laughs> And I literally will like see it in like yeah. charts. And I'm like, this is the, this is the craziest, this is the craziest thing ever in life. I'm so mad that people like, this isn't normal to talk about. Like, but yeah, that's. This is something I feel very passionately about, but haven't particularly felt safe to talk about in a public way. So I'd like to just, I'd like an opportunity to do that. So I have to consider there's some things I can't say because I'm white. And a lot of my black friends say to me, I have no examples of successful black people. I have no examples. Who do I look up to? And, and I don't know, is that absolutely true? You, there are no examples. There's a, there's quite a few wealthy black people. There are, there are examples. There's examples. And I feel like we are taught to believe that there's not and we need to open up to the fact that there are examples and that it's yes. okay for it to be easy for you. Yes. And whenever someone tries to disempower you, cause I, I see it as like, I see like when people try to force something to stop that often manifests the thing that they're trying to stop. So like for like a lot of like white liberal people will try to say certain things. And I feel like a lot of things that they're saying are actually doing the disempowering thing and the oppressing thing that they're saying, that they're speaking out against. And so as a black person, if black people are listening to this, I'm like, just be very discerning about who you're listening to and okay. what they're saying to you. If they're disempowering you, do not listen to them. But there is, there are people who are doing the work to try to uplift the black community and make sure that we're receiving the things that we deserve and they're they're preaching messages of like you deserve this like you you can get this but then there's people who are saying like you can't you can't get it and that's just sad and it's like don't don't listen to what people are saying like be very aware of what you're taking in and that's what I had to do with myself anytime anytime someone could tell me that I couldn't do something I had to reject them even if I could feel their kindness I could feel that like benevolent kind energy that they were coming from I'm like okay I know you're trying to help but this is not helping me listening to what you're saying and so I'm going to reject it I'm not taking this story in as the truth and so just discernment 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 listen to what people are actually saying, not just like that they're trying to help. Discernment is a good word. And I like that you are, I like that you do like an unpopular opinion thing <clears throat> because from, from where I sit and what my perspective is, I can't see how it will evoke change and create these new worlds when we're saying to black people, you'll never get it. You can never do that. It's not possible for you. And a, and a lot of it is black voices saying this. So then I have to kind of sit in it and it's like, okay, well, this is actually what they're saying. You know, this is this black activist that I really respect and follow is saying, you know, I can only have this opinion because I'm white. I can only think this thing because I'm white. I can only look for possibility because I'm white. And, and so then I have to sit in that, right? Because of what I don't know. But then I have these people who I love and are close to me who I feel are examples like if we're looking at our community, mm -hmm. he is an example of that. That is not true. AC Brown is an example that that is not true. Jazz the moon mother is an example that that is not true. So why are we still telling that story? And I can only see how that would continue to limit the black community. And I don't feel that that is the way. 
So I don't think it's something that I can actually necessarily speak to because I don't have those experiences. But when I see people like you talking about this, it's like, I can use my discernment. And as soon as I disconnect from that, because there's this weird thing, it's like, well, I don't want to relate to the white girl who's telling me I can do this from her place of privilege. But then over here, someone is saying to me, well, you're doomed forever, but just because of your skin color, I, you know, is that absolutely true? Yeah. And you tell me, I feel like there is to me, I'm someone, it's the same thing where like that mistiness where I don't want to like over attach to a label or a thing that like anyone says that I am any sort like a story. I, I like to keep the misty thing. I don't over, I don't over attach to my identity. I'm also the child of immigrants. And I was talking to someone about this and I feel like that makes it so like, I do have a little bit more of a privilege when it comes to like, I get to kind of detach from like the title of African-American just because like I, I am technically African-American cause I was born in America and I'm black, but my parents are immigrants. And so I, there's a bit of a detachment there. And so my recommendation is, and then I've said this before people, I'm like, wherever you have a privilege, lean hard into it, like find mm. that privilege and like, eat it up like use it as much as you can until other privileges are created and loosen up your attachment to your identity is what I would say not to say that like you should forget who you are forget that you're black forget like don't do that like you're no it's part of the experience people are assigning words to blackness that I do not like and like that's why I'm trying to like is it like darkness is bad or they they associate like my timeline jumping the reason it works is because of blackness because of darkness because of like endless night is is void energy yes yes, yes, void and i'm like we need to stop putting these words on blackness and if you find anyone associating blackness with pain negativity and suffering i would dissolve that a little bit like question that lighten it up lighten it up like yeah lighten it up and that's what was very helpful for me was lightening up the definitions that people would put on my identity and so that made it so that I was able to hear from lots of different types of people because I'm like well they don't look like me but also like if I was to lighten their identity if I stopped identifying them so intensely as like this person is white like if I loosen that up a little bit I'm like okay you're a being and I'm also a being and this being is having this experience I can actually find the the relationship between me and that being if I loosen up that identity it's very helpful for me so if you're finding that you're having a hard time finding examples try to see where you can relate to some of these people in different ways and then I'm like what else helps me i think that that would be it is like loosen up your your attachment to identity the ways that you find the ways that you find privilege in your identity lean into those parts of yourself mm-hmm. yeah and just like playing with do you ever feel too though like as somebody so your parents from africa no, my, my, uh, they're West Indian. My mom is from an island called Dominica Medaz from an island called St. Vincent. So they're. So for me, it feels like almost as if there are stories missing. And, you know, just the other day I fell down to a well on Instagram and I stumble across this princess, Sarah, who is this black woman. She's an African woman who was adopted by white people and then found out she was an African princess basically. And she's like, she was like, you know, our, the slavery stories are very important. She's like, but it's as if there's nothing before that. It's Mm -hmm. as if that's the origin story, you know? And she's like, it's not, we 
our royalty the whole other over here. A whole with yes. that we came from with our stories slavery. Like yeah, and she's like, so it's not to say that slave. Like she's like, let's be real. Slavery is a very important part of our history, but it's not the origin point. You know, it's this it's this horrendous part of our history. There is stuff that comes before, and so it just makes me think about that sort of just how we've erased that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, and, you know, from where I'm in Canada too, a lot of, for, for, for me, a lot of my examples that comes through the indigenous communities and how their um, stories are erased. I, I remember my, my partner is indigenous and we were learning about some of his family stories uh, when they were doing the census at this particular time, the area that they lived was let's say 90% Métis um, or 90% very like indigenous cultures. And, the next census, it had been reduced to like, let's say 2% or something. And they were like, these people didn't go away. They just stopped identifying for their own safety. And so they pretended to be these other things. So they didn't have to deal with, you know, losing their land or whatever was happening that they were stealing it and giving it to these white people. And so in the Métis culture specifically, there was a lot of like reclaiming happening as, as with certain generations that would like onward generations, but it didn't change the shame from earlier generations who still didn't want to talk about it. Even though the new generations like we want those stories, the reality was they had forgotten a lot of them because of trauma. And so when it's forgotten, you know, which is which is when whiteness has gotten in there. Right. It's blanched it. It's made it hard to see. You can't get the information anymore. So I feel that once we start to rediscover more and more of those stories in sort of the public sphere, that I really feel that change is possible through that. I don't feel this hopelessness um, for anybody who's not white. You know, yeah. but again, Pete, I'm the white person saying that. So there's this uh, there's this bit of that's discredited just because yeah. of, of that. So that's why I say I don't feel it's something that I can necessarily talk about. Yeah. And I wouldn't I would I would keep talking about your story because people who need to hear it will hear it. And I feel like I'm doing the whole fifth line thing where I'm kind of like the in between where I'm like, I'm able to hear your story, relate to it. And then I'm like, I am going to be this example of someone who's doing the thing that this person is doing that you thought you can, I'll be the bridge for now. And so I, I just commend people who are still willing to be powerful, even though other people do not feel like they're able to be powerful for various different reasons, because the bridges need to access you so that we can take that and then deliver it to as many people as possible. And like, Anyone who's saying that that's not a possibility and it's not a reality, we have to understand what that what that is. But then when I look at people like you, it's what gives me hope. And it's like, no, she's an example otherwise. And so it's not either or. Yeah. It's yeah. both and. I used to be someone who felt very hopeless, like extremely hopeless. Yeah. Literally cursed. I thought I would end up homeless. I like it was it was a lot. And like I my friend told me I, I completely blank. I don't remember the story, but she was just like, I remember you were like crying, looking out the window, thinking that like you just weren't safe. Like that's what you, that's all you wanted was to feel safe. And so it's just, it's really, it's wild because I'm like, I feel very safe. And I, re- I can remember the feeling of that, like always feeling yeah. like the ground is going to fall out from underneath me. So yeah, it's possible. It's possible. When people tell you that it's not possible, if you Anything's relate possible. with that, if you relate with that, just like let the little whisper of my of me saying that it's possible enter in and it's going to grow inside of your ear eventually yeah so uh well let's do one last question let's do it who's the lucky person what is your relationship with spirituality and substances slash sobriety oh shit (laughs) (sighs) 
after you. All right. Darling. So I just had a three day long hangover because I drank too much on Saturday. And I realized, I already knew this, but I realized that I am someone who, if I am feeling an emotion before I take in a substance, it will be amplified. If I ever full. Yeah. If I ever try to take in a substance to escape something for me, I know it works for some people, but for me, I end up being like destroyed. And it's, I think it's because of my, like, I keep telling myself, like, I don't want to lie to myself. I don't want to lie to myself. But then when I'm like, I just want to feel a little bit better. We'll like try to drink something a little and like, not doesn't work for me. It destroys me. And so that is my relationship with substances. If I'm feeling great and there's like, some shrooms and I'm already feeling amazing. And I take some shrooms. I'm going to, I'm going to feel even better because I was already going that way. Anyway, it just took me there a little faster, but if I'm feeling bad and I try to smoke weed, I'm going to spiral into a something where I feel like I'm going to lose my mind. And so I, I have to be very careful about my emotional state or my vibrational state before I consume any substances. I can never use them to escape. I don't know why I, I just, I feel like it's, I've wired myself like this now where it just doesn't work. Nothing numbs me. So that's my relationship with like substances and spirituality. I like being sober. It's I like, I, and I think the only reason I ever try substances is to like feel the different states, I guess. Like yeah. I'm like, Ooh, I'm over here. Interesting. A different state. And like, Oh, this state over here, a different state. It's like, I get to be in these different states, but I, they can't, they're not a coping mechanism for me because I get, destroyed <laughs> it's like they're like oh you thought you could cope with this oh no Mm-mm. we're gonna make it worse and i'm like okay great thanks powerful p hmm well i have definitely a contrasting a contrasting share um i was i was largely raised by my mother who didn't drink didn't do anything was very like uptight. And I, I, I kind of understand that now my mom's world was out of control and there were certain things she wanted to control, you know, and as a parent now I, I, I understand and relate. And my mom was also somebody who had an alcoholic parent. So, you know, wanting to control when they're, you know, the moods and eh. so I was immediately conditioned that these things are dangerous, not safe. And my reputation when I was in high school was kind of straight edge. Like I was always at the parties, but I was at the one, I was the one who didn't drink. And so then a decade later, when I connect with my partner now and he like, we're going, he's taking me out on a date or something. He's like, do you drinks? Do you still not drink? And I was like, oh my, no, I drink. Like it was very, you know, so people really wanted to keep me in that reality. But I only kind of had my first alcohol when I was in, let's say college, because I was very afraid of it. And let me tell you, since that, realizing all those kinds of fears, I've done shrooms once and it was absolutely transformative. The way I was able to see frameworks, I felt like my own brilliance was ignited. It was incredibly spiritual for me. I acknowledge that you can have sort of these bad experiences. That was not the case for me. I feel like my cognition was like turned up. I feel like I was really, really alive and activated. I kind of felt a little bit sick after, like I had it with like chamomile tea and I kind of was like, yeah, tummy's not feeling great. And I hate feeling nauseous like I'll do anything not to puke you know I'm like praying with a god I don't believe in like I'm like oh don't let it I'll eat salad forever just don't let me throw up um I gave birth and I was like I'll do anything just don't make me throw up give me any drug I just don't want to throw up it's a it's a control (laughs) thing um and I actually find weed to be very helpful um I have more weed probably than people realize I love to vape 
I, that's how I, I love to vape and walk outside and look at the stars and think, God, I love that. And I find there is this component to me that has a lot of anger. And I do recognize that there is this part of me that will have substances like this. And I am detaching from my anger. I am using it to cope in some way. I'll just do this and I won't be mean, you know? Yeah. I've definitely been there. Um, but then I have to acknowledge, well, why do you think you're mean? You know, there's this whole thing that goes on. So I have found that I've, I'm a taste cognition that I've had to pick and choose the plants, herbs, substances that I want to have a relationship with. Mm -hmm. Alcohol for me has not felt good. Um, I don't really drink that much because I easily get hungover. Like, like when I was younger, I feel like I could like go out on the weekend. I'd be fine. Now in my thirties, I, I like drink something and it's the next day. I'm like, hell no, I got a parent and I still got to like function. No fucking way. And coffee is another one that I can't anymore. And I loved coffee. I was a writer as a journalist. Coffee was in our culture, mm, you know, and I'm so sensitive to anxiety. I would get in my chest from that. So all the substances around me, I have, I've had to like go into go into an experience with them, get to know them, get to know the extremes of them, and then decide what is my healthy relationship with them. For me personally, I found shrooms to be transformative and powerful, but I've only done it the one time. I think in the 2020s, we're going to learn a lot about psychedelics and how they are extremely expansive and not this limiting thing that that we've been pumped with fear around them. Even hospitals are incorporating psychedelics like magic, magic mushrooms to help people with psychotic breaks. Like it's this new, it's this new type of thing. Kind of, I think we're going to see a lot more of, um, but I also think like weed is like a, is that was a scary one for me when I was young. Oh my God, that was so terrifying. And now it's like, you know, I'll sit down and I'll have a peace pipe with my partner and we'll have like intimate dialogue. And it's this really beautiful experience. It's, it feels very spiritual. Of course it can totally tip the other way, yeah. but, but it also doesn't have to. And I, even in my work sometimes, like I'll have a sativa during the day and that's how I work and I'll just like do work and then I'll detach from it and have a come down. And then I'm resting after, you know, I kind of use it as, um, um, a communing yeah. type of thing, you know? And there's a lot of ways we can have relationships with plants in that way. We can ingest them. We can also burn them. You know, there's, you can grow them, but they have their own energy. And so if you respect that energy, I think for, personally, it's absolutely um, expanding. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And I, I actually, with weed, I had a, this three month period where it was, it was actually, right before that whole, like, I'm just going to feel safe thing where I just wanted to like explore my lack of feeling safe, the anxiety. And mm -hmm. every time I smoke sweet, I'll get so anxious. And like the feeling of like lack of safety would rise up in my body. And I was kind of sick at the time. And so like the feelings of like, I also have my Saturn's in the sixth house. And so like health things are very, like I get symptoms yeah. of things. And so like all of that would go times a million whenever I would smoke, but I would force myself to go through that like anxiety and lack of safety feeling for, it was like three months straight that I was doing this where I'm like, I'm going to get to know this anxiety and like figure out every single part of it. I couldn't figure it out, but I definitely felt it. And so like, I know what it feels like to feel unsafe in my body. Like I know it very, very, very well. I went to the extreme of it for three months for like hours at a time. To the point where like one time I thought I was going to die. Like I, it was, and then I like yeah. fell into the sensation of death and I'm, I was like, Oh, death is actually 
like it feels like butterflies are like super chill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like I like fell into the extreme. I'm like, you're dying. You're dying. And I'm like, okay, I guess we're dying. And I fell into that. But I went through this three month stint, forcing myself to feel anxious. And that actually, I think is what brought me to the brink where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to choose to feel safe because I know what it feels like to not be safe. I get it. I get it. Okay, cool. I got it. I, I could just feel like this. I could feel like this for the rest of my life, or I could just choose to not do this anymore. And that's, that's honestly, I think that that's what brought me up to the moment where I was just like, I'm just not doing that anymore. And so I'm very grateful to weed for causing me all of that, not causing me, but like amping up my anxiety to the point where I was just like, I totally, we're not doing this. I don't have to do this. There are, this is like anything though. You know, when we talk about weed, it's not really like a blanket statement thing. There are different strains and plants with different energies. And, and I hear from a lot of people like, Oh, weed gives me anxiety. You're having, that's not the right weed for you. You know, some people like red wine, some people like white wine, some people like rosé, you know, some people like beer. Like it's, it's, I, I think when we keep these things in like fear and, you know, that's when they start to get really distorted. And I think dangerous things can happen if yeah. we understand them a little bit more, you know, even spiritually, like even understand like the, the plant you're ingesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's either going to bring you up or it's going to bring you down or somewhere in between. It's going to activate this. Like I, like, I remember going to a weed thing for women, like trying to educate women. And I was like, sure. Yeah, let's do this. And how they were explaining just what, what kind of mood are you looking for? This is what can support that. I was like, this is not like, we need more of this. We need to understand this. Like it needs to be shown as it's like, it's safe. It can support you. We have no fucking problem telling people to pop Tylenol and Advil. We have no problem telling people that. And in fact, you should have more of that because it's safe because a doctor has, has, you know, like, so meanwhile, here's this thing that grows from the earth that is so bad for you. It's going to kill you. You know, just whatever. There's all these fucking distortions and it's like, and we get so caught in that. So, so psychedelics, what was even the original question? Something about um, your spirituality, your relationship with spirituality and substances. I don't think you need them. They can do different things. Everyone ha- I feel like everyone has a different, different thing. Like yeah. with the weed thing, any type of weed that I would smoke, it would be indica. Like all, I tried so many different types, but I think it was just my journey. Was that it? Time. Yeah to like have that experience with we I think I needed to like amp up my anxiety so I could be like so you want to keep doing this to yourself is that what you want like I feel like that's what life was kind of doing with me it's very spiritual like you know like yeah but I'm also like I'm an extremist and so I'm like I feel like life was like we're just gonna (laughs) you're gonna take you there we're gonna do this yeah (laughs) (laughs) and so like the the what like what spirituality the intersection of spirituality and substances and I don't think you have to be this purist who doesn't like drink ever I actually, I got an unpopular opinion submitted where someone was just like, I, you know, I think he, I think a glass of whiskey can be healing for the, for the right person. Um, and I'm like, yeah, maybe for the right person at the right time, that's exactly what they needed to drink was a glass of whiskey to, to bring them to this transcendent moment. And so individuality is very important. Each of these substances has a very individual personality to themselves. I was talking about fungi earlier and mushrooms. And like, I feel like they're people <laughs> that were ingesting Sometimes they're an entity P absolutely. Yes. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. And all of these substances that we're taking, they've gone through different things. They've, they've been through different processes. You've been through different things and different processes. And that's a chemical reaction that you're in. That's like, 
Yeah. That's like saying the intersection of people and people and spirituality, like, because there's all these different people, you can interact with them and their charts will cause different chemical reactions with your chart. Like it's just, it depends. And so create your own relationship with that is my recommendation. Totally. I, I, I love to study things like this. And, you know, a big part of my practice is, um, just for personal reasons is non-denominational shamanism. And when you're studying cross-culturally common thread in so many of these spiritual practices, in these different cultures is to have some type of relationship with the plant, you know, and for example, in one culture it's ayahuasca and you have the shaman, let's say come and, and sort of facilitate this experience with you, but having this relationship with this herb is what helps facilitate this experience. And that's actually very common, you know, indigenous cultures, they're smudging, they're burning, they're calling in their ancestors that way. There's, there's the relationship with plant material mm-hmm. that I have personally found to be quite spiritual can I stay in that state all the time? No, I'm here having a human experience. So, but to blanket statement, it's bad. You can't have it. You know, all those things I I think is missing the point. I think we are here to learn, you know, compare and contrast and what the balances of things. And so for me, it has been hugely expanding. Uh, I recognize that, you know, a glass of whiskey is exactly what one person needs and it's exactly what one person shouldn't have or doesn't need, you know, it's completely individualized. So discernment, Yes, discernment. That is such a good word. I'm like, I am integrating that into my vocab because I'm like, that is just the visuals that come like discernment, like be aware, but take a moment, analyze, take a breath. It's powerful. I love that. All right. Well, that's all we got for today. Okay. Thank you so much. This is amazing. I feel I really enjoy myself. Thanks for letting me come. Of course. Thank you so much for being here with me. I feel amazing. I, that's that's how I know it's a good podcast. How do I feel at the end? Feels good. Feels good. So thank you. How thank can you. we contact you? Are you up to stuff? What's going on? Shit. Um, <laughs> you know, I've been working on things and they just keep mutating on me and. I'm like a weird little baby online right now. Cause like I unfollowed everybody. I'm like, I'm not meant to be in response. And now I kind of come online and I'm like this little naive, like, what are we doing? And so I go check on the people that I love, you know, I go check people's what's, what's going on with them. I don't let it kind of populate in my feed. So my, my online relationship is changing right now. Um, but I am in the process of like switching things up and having new expressions, particularly being somebody who's on the roof now. And I see things about human design differently. So anything you want to look for me is Vanessa Henry. I'm at Vanessa Henry on Instagram, VanessaHenry.com. Instagram has started to feel not super safe. And I think that that dimension is starting to change and we may start to mosey in other places. So I'm really watching that people creating these safe containers. I feel really called to that. So I have expressions that live in other places on YouTube. I have a fun little show with my partner. I have a podcast with these incredible, these incredible beings in human design. It's called each other. And yeah, you can kind of find me anywhere and find me anywhere in the digital landscape in the physical. You won't find me, but in the digital, you will. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you again. Thanks. All my stuff is in the little description box. You click that. That's all I got. Love you all. (laughs) Bye. Bye.